The Lord be with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Matthew. When the Pharisees heard that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, they gathered together, and one of them, a scholar of the law, tested him by asking, Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? He said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and the first commandment. The second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. The whole law and the prophets depend on these two commandments. The gospel of the Lord. Praise to you, Lord Jesus Christ. So let's try to unpack this first and greatest commandment and the second that Jesus taught us here tonight in the gospel. Come, Holy Spirit, grant us understanding, grant us knowledge and wisdom from on high. Let your light shine upon us here tonight. May we be enlightened. May our hearts be touched by your word here tonight, by your Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. So Jesus is being tested by the Pharisees. Remember, these are the people he calls hypocrites at times, which comes from the Greek word, which means actor. So these two-faced people, these religious leaders that Jesus, it's not that he hates them, he loves them. But they're so hard-hearted that they, they really do test his patience. And, and they break his heart. They really do break his heart. But then he answers their question. Teacher, which is the greatest, uh, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he answers, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. Which is to say with your whole being. With your whole being. That God is worthy of this. That he is, in a sense, deserving of this kind of devotion. This total devotion. So that it's something very intentional. It involves the mind. It's something emotional. It involves the heart. And it's something volitional. (laughs) It involves the will. It's a choice. It's a choice. And even all of that is a grace that God gives us. He wants us to have this relationship with him. It's not that he needs it, but he knows that we need it. We need to have this kind of relationship with God if we're going to be truly happy. God wants us to be happy. Does that mean we're always going to have fun? No, not this side of heaven. That's for sure. That's for sure. But I love, what, I love how that first reading ended tonight. You know, he's talking about the widows and the orphans and, you know, <laughs> we better treat these people well. Otherwise, you know, you're going to have to pay for that. And he, he concludes, if he cries out to me, your neighbor... I will hear him, for I am compassionate. 
I am compassionate. Our God is compassionate. What does that mean? What does it mean literally? That he is willing to suffer with us. You know that I'm not a Latin scholar, but I do like to highlight this definition. If you've heard me preach, you know that I've explained this before. So passion comes from the Latin word pati, which means what? (laughs) To suffer. It means to suffer. Pati, P-A-T-I, to suffer. Can you remember that now? Okay, good. So what other words come from this Latin word, pati? Patience. Patience. It even starts out P-A-T-I-E-N-C-E, right? So it's even more obvious. Patience has this connotation of suffering, right? It's hard to be patient. Why? Because we're suffering when we have to be patient. When we're waiting in line. And I don't like to wait in line. This hurts. You know, I want my pleasure right now. Well, just be patient. Learn how to suffer a little bit. And how about the word patient? Like the patient on the operating table is the one who is about to suffer, right? They're going to go under the knife, so to speak. So they're about to suffer. And we used to have that expression in English, will you suffer me? Will you suffer me? I don't think we really say that anymore, but it's out there. Will you suffer me? Will you be patient with me? Hmm. Hard to do. But our God does it first. This is the amazing thing about our God. And I'm looking at the crucifix. That, that not only did our God want to become a man, a human being, but he even chose to go to the cross to show how willing he was to suffer with us. You know, we say that he suffered for us to pay the price for our sins, and that's absolutely true, but that's not the whole story. God knew that we were going to suffer because of sin. Once, once we had, you know, once Adam and Eve committed original sin, he knew that it was going to be tough going. <laughs> Because he created the universe with order. It's really good to think about this every once in a while. So we're going to think about it for a second, right? There are laws that govern the universe, like the law of gravity, right? If I throw my phone up in the air, it's going to fall to the ground, right? I'm not going to do that right now. If I jump, I'm not going to get very high (laughs) before I get pulled back down to the ground. Some of you could jump higher than I can, I'm sure. But none of us can jump very high for very long without getting pulled back to the ground. The law of gravity. If I run my car into a wall, that's not going to end very well for me and my car, right? If it's a brick wall, it's not going to end very well. So there are certain physical laws, physical material laws that govern our existence, right? Well, there, there are also spiritual laws. And when we talk about the commandments, they're not just moral, but they're spiritual. So all of our actions have a spiritual consequence. 
not just a material consequence, because we're not just bodies, right? But we're bodies and what else are we made up of, girls? You tell me. We're body and soul, right? We have a soul. Can you see your soul? Uh Uh-uh, right? But we know that we have a soul. It's immaterial. It's invisible. But we have one. And I'm not going to explain how we can prove that up here because this is not philosophy class. But it's pretty self-evident that we have souls because we all get hurt. How about that, right? We all can get happy and we can all get hurt. There's your proof right there, right? Without even, you know, having some physical thing hit you, right? But a word, a word communicates something, right? It's not just a sound, but behind a word, there's meaning, there is value, which is to say there's a spirit behind it that touches our spirit. And it can either build us up or tear us down. And I'm sure we've all experienced both. And so these commandments, the commandments of God, they are there to help us flourish. They're not there to cramp our style. They're they're there to help us flourish Body and spirit, soul, mind, heart, fully. That's what it means to be fully human. It's to be in touch with these realities that are not just material. They're spiritual. And you've never been so happy, at least I've never been so happy, When the Spirit of God touches my spirit in an intimate way, in a deep way, in a compassionate way. When you experience God's compassion for you in a deep, personal way, there is nothing sweeter. And it's it's paradoxical. The gospel is full of paradoxes. But nothing feels so good to be so loved when you feel so bad. Huh? Let me say that again. Nothing feels so good to be loved so well when you feel so bad. To know that God is willing to love us even when we're suffering like that. That's pretty amazing. And to experience that in your own sorrow, in your own pain, to have God come right up next to you, so to speak, in spirit, to say, I'm right here. I see you, I know you, and I care. And sometimes we protest, and that's okay. Like, God, why did you let this happen? Well, it's not that God lets it happen. Right? What he lets happen is, you know, our human craziness, right? Because he respects our free will. And all of the sickness, illness, and disease in the world is a consequence of all the craziness. 
Let me say that again. That came out pretty good, right? So all the sickness, illness, and disease, all the craziness in the world is a consequence of our sin, of our craziness. However, he wasn't going to let all of that craziness have the last word. He's like, I'll take care of that. I will redeem all of that. And I will take you with me to the Father's house. I will take you with me to the Father's house. I will even prepare a place for you in the Father's house. A new movie just came out. I haven't seen it yet. But Life After Death. Did you see it? Yeah? Was it good? Cool. Life After Death. We got an endorsement here. So it follows the near-death experience of what? Four people, I think? Three or four people? The near-death experience of three or four people. It's good to listen to these near-death experiences every once in a while to get a a good dose of reality, and also to be filled with hope, to be filled with hope that something so sweet, so good awaits us, something so beautiful beyond anything we could ever imagine here. But we get little glimpses of it, little tastes of it, and so that inspires us and that fills us with even more hope and more desire for that perfect homeland and for that perfect peace. But the Lord is here to accompany us on our journey. We're all on a pilgrimage. We're all on a pilgrimage through time on our way to the Father's house. And God is with us and he is for us. And he knows that life is not easy (laughs) and we all cry sometimes and it hurts. I know it hurts. When is this priest going to shut up? But he is with us and he understands our pain. And he is here to comfort us. He is here to console us. Like a good mom, like a good dad only can do. And so we thank you, God. We thank you, God, for loving us first and foremost with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. See, God did it first. We can't just do this on our own. We just can't will this to happen. But he did it first for us. And so, Lord, help us to receive all that love that you give us and to love you out of gratitude for all that you've done for us. And then, yes, to love our neighbors as ourselves, as you have loved us. So may we love one another. Amen.